from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Hello and welcome to the CRI It Figures podcast. Uh, my name is Scott Bailey and I'm joined today by Steve Williams and Joe May. Uh, Steve being from our Montgomery, Alabama practice and Joe May from our Jackson, Mississippi practice. Um, would you guys like to introduce yourselves briefly? Sure, Scott, I appreciate that. I'm Joe May, uh, again, like Scott said, from Jackson, Mississippi, but I've, I've worked all over the country, worked in the insurance industry line for car rigs and Ingram for about the past 16 years. Uh, before that, was with uh, had my own consulting practice, specialized in regulatory consulting uh, with insurance departments. We did a lot of lot of work with statutory filings, examinations for insurance departments, that sort of thing. Uh, before that, was with the Deloitte and Touche uh, back in the years ago. That's where I started out. So that that carries back about 30 years. So that 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 goes back with my insurance experience. Great. How about you, Steve? Well, thanks, Scott. I've been with CRI Montgomery for a little over 20 years. Primarily, I focus in the insurance industry, captive, self-insured groups, carriers. As Joe mentioned, kind of annual statements, external audits, you, know, you name it, I've seen it. Uh, awesome, awesome. So uh, a lot of depth of experience that we have here today for our insurance discussion. Uh, again, my name is Scott Bailey. I'm an audit partner out of our Raleigh, North Carolina practice, and I work with uh, both of these esteemed gentlemen in the insurance industry. So th- what we want to talk about today is uh, to discuss some changes that we've seen in the labor market, particularly over the last two or three years, and what effect that's having on uh, matters of compliance. So things insurance companies are doing to maintain levels of compliance in the face of these unprecedented changes in in the labor market. Um, And some thoughts on where we see these things going uh, and ultimately how how these can be be helped or or things that can be done to to supplement those those processes. So just kind of starting from the top, I think it would come to no surprise to either of you that we've seen a lot of changes in staffing. Is that right? I'd I'd agree, Scott. Um, You know, I work a lot in the captive insurance industry, which is a segment of of the the insurance world. And in that world, we see a lot with the managers from from Delaware to Utah over the last two or three years. A lot of their experienced, qualified staff have either retired out or completely gotten out of the industry as a whole. For sure. For sure. And I think we're also seeing that effect on uh, more of the traditional insurance side too, right, Jim? Absolutely, Scott. We're seeing that with insurance carriers, whether it be PNC, Life, Title, whatever uh, you want to name in that space. And in fact, you know, I mentioned regulatory consulting. We're seeing that with insurance departments as well. And that's across the country, spanning from from the West Coast to the East Coast and, you know, up into the Northeast. It's it's a problem not just in, in the insurance industry. Uh, but but across in our profession, you know, we're seeing it, we're reading about it in almost every profession now, and it, it, it's certainly in our space. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I didn't mean for us to pile on, but piling on, you are exactly right, and you beat me to the punch there on the, on the insurance departments. Um, so, as you say, we're seeing a significant amount of talent drain coming as a result of this, but 
it is no surprise to any of us that the compliance requirements, many of those are, are written into law or either through model audit rules or, or various other, other you know, forms of either statute. It's, it's statutory in nature primarily. So, you know, all the rules and regulations that we're seeing insurance companies have that they must comply with there's no relief there, right? They, they've still got it, and we're not seeing uh, – there there's really is not a lot of relief. Isn't that, isn't that a fair, fair way to – I would say that's very fair. And, and, Scott, you and I did a podcast on the, the evolution uh, of regulatory space for insurance companies uh, and how we're, we're seeing over the past decade or so, really going back to, to SOX and then going how the Mars spun off from that, but really getting into to how there's been an emphasis on – processes, internal controls, getting into corporate governance. We've seen recently in the last couple of years, the Corporate Governance Annual Disclosure Model Regulation Act come out. All the states have that now. So so the, all of these regulations are piling up. We're seeing more and more, which which makes sense. But, but on the opposite side of that is we're not seeing an increase in the labor market available to help, you know, the insurance companies comply. So, so it's a problem that's across the board. And, and there's, there's really not a way to, for the regulators necessarily to relieve the companies of that, and we haven't seen that because the, the need is there. And we just have to figure out, the companies have to figure out, uh, and we do with them, a way to make sure that we're meeting uh, th those demands from the regulatory perspective. Right, right. So just at sort of a short-term level, and Steve, you know, we can go with some of the most basic compliance activities that, you know, certainly we've been a part of and that insurance companies are all faced with. Uh, in terms of things as simple as completing annual statements, you know, things like that. Whereas it's not, you know, it's not something that is rigorously difficult, but it is very specialized in nature. So what are we seeing uh, some of these companies do? What, what, are they, what are they turning to in order to maintain their levels of compliance? Well, when, when you talk about annual statements specifically, it, it is a highly specialized area, and you've got to have some expertise in preparing that statement and putting it together because of all of the supplemental schedules and things of that nature. So what we're starting to see is because of a lack of staff and a lack of experienced staff, many of the carriers are kind of starting to outsource or look for help, look for you know, software, look, look to us. To assist with that preparation, we already have the software packages in place and, and the staff that are used to putting that together and preparing those. And as we mentioned, with the statutory deadlines, that, that March 1st filing deadline does not change. That's a hard you know, deadline. It, you know, uh, everybody credits Ben Franklin for saying death and taxes are the only two things guaranteed. But in the accounting profession, we know that those March 1st, June 1st, those are big deadlines, and they don't go away. So from our perspective, that is one of the areas that we have been able to assist a lot of our client base in in recent years, annual statement prep, assistance with premium tax returns, premium tax filings, things that are recur, but are, are they're due. Right, right. And you, you mentioned premium tax compliance there as well, and that's, that's kind of its own little animal, right? It's its own world because it varies state by state by state and by line of coverage. So a reinsurer is going to be taxed differently than a domestic property uh, coverage, or a foreign reinsurer is going to be taxed differently than a domestic reinsurer. 
Right. And, and, and to go beyond that, in some states you may have the Mississippi Department, for example, may be responsible to, to, to collect that, and, and then you may go to another state and you have that, that state have the Department of Revenue be responsible. So you, you're actually dealing with potentially different departments in different states uh, that's responsible for collecting the the uh, the premium uh, data on all these different lines. So it, it can be pretty confusing, it, it, even though you, when you first look at it, it seems simple. And I think my favorite states are the ones where you file premium tax returns, but then also file a state income tax return. And really they <laughs> want... <laughs> Why not have both? Yeah, you know, so they get uh, get two bites at the apple there on those. So... Yeah, no, that one is uh, is a really really funny animal, and, and and another area where we're seeing you know a real a real loss of talent, and we're seeing those services uh, look to outside. And as Joe mentioned, it varies state by state. So when they do get examined, I I, I have a client now whose premium tax returns for the last two years are being examined by the state. And as Joe said, they're looking for premium coverage and support for each of the different lines in each of the different states that they're writing premiums in. And it's, you know, state by state looks for different information or asks for different requests. So on top of my client already being short of staff and having their other normal deadlines, they're now experiencing this additional stress from this premium tax exam that the state department is going through the process of. And it really begins to put a strain on the company's staff. Not even to mention the fact that the person who could answer the questions is no longer there, right? Correct. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, you know, certainly those are, 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 are you know, kind of the, the first and foremost that we think of when we're talking about compliance and sort of the low-hanging fruit. Uh, but, Joe, as you mentioned earlier, one of the things uh, we had talked about on our prior podcast, that's right, this guy right here, um, we had talked about um, – some of these new compliance requirements, especially some of these internal audit-related requirements, such as SEGAD uh, and ORSA, you know, some that have been in, in place for longer, such as market conduct and things like that. So, you know, it's one thing to take something that's routine and that our clients have done for a while. What about some of these that are that are new that the market is is new that, that are new on the market that our clients are having to react to and having to to learn while facing these shortages? Uh, no, that's a great point. They may not let us sit in the same room and do one of these again. I was I was giving Scott a hard time, but hey, look, that you're exactly right. The, 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 it's hard enough when you have a recurring item that you know you have a static deadline. It's three one. We've done this before, but we've lost talent. And now we have to replace that. And, and, you know, Steve's talked about how we can step in and help that space. But, you know, what really becomes difficult with companies is when you have the NAIC, and they should. They, you know, rules evolve, things change. And as new requirements come out, well, you know, departments will push that through. And then the companies have to deal with that, too. So you have all the things that they've dealt with in the past. You have an ever-changing regulatory environment, which is good. It's healthy. But it creates a significant demand on expertise and staffing and, and the needs that the company has. So, so one of the things we're seeing is a lot more specialized outsourcing, whether it's internal audit support, <clears throat> specific things that we can come in and look at, whether it's uh, an entire internal audit department, whether it's coming in and consulting on implementation of, of a new filing. So all of those things are things that we can help with, and we're seeing what you would expect, you know, an increased demand on, uh, on all of those things. Right. So in, in thinking about one of these projects, as that gets outsourced, 
you know, what's sort of the 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 time commitment that we typically see there? What's what what's the you know you know how long does one of those last? What's the level of involvement? How do, how does that typically look? Yeah, that that's a, that's a great question, and and I don't know that I can even answer it because it completely depends on the company engagement. to company. Sure, and company to company, issue to issue. There are times when we can come in and, and help and spend a few hours and, and help someone get to where they need to be because it's dependent upon the needs of the company. If you have, if you, if you're missing, maybe not, maybe you have the expertise, but you're a little short on time. Maybe your demands are a little high. That, that doesn't usually take as long. Uh, if you have a company that's had a key person roll out, uh, then, you know, we may have to take on that role. Say, you know, that being, say, maybe a, a chief audit executive or something like that. Yeah, exactly. No, right. it, could, it could be that, or it could be something as simple as the person who filed premium taxes, right. anywhere in between. Uh, so so it, it's, it's amazing. You find out how important your people are in an organization when one of them is gone. And, <laughs> and our insurance clients, uh, you know, they see that. We know that. Uh, but you really feel it when suddenly someone's not there that's been taking care of one of those recurring items. Yeah, you know, and the three of us had a chuckle over that, even though it's... It's, uh, it's painful. It, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it's a painful laugh, right. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's quick to also reveal how well your processes and controls have been designed and how effective they are, and do, do you have backups in place, or do you have the capacity for backups over those certain processes and controls, which is another area where we've come in over the past several years and kind of evaluated some of those controls and processes to help streamline or identify some areas of weakness. So if we do have a person who all of a sudden they don't show up for work and three or four days down the line we get a, hey, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not coming back call. Well, do we have someone who's been filling in for them or, or you know, have, have we kind of rotated out those processes? And it's quick to see that when you get into the situation that, that Joe's talking about. So it really even kind of goes back to sort of that push and pull that we even see on the traditional services side, which is how well documented are your processes? How well documented are your controls and key activities? How well documented is your org chart? You know, something as simple and straightforward as that. I would 100% agree. And I'll tell you, it's what you would think. Our larger clients tend to have it more, you know, better documentation on that. But even that being said, you, even if you have the documentation, you need to assess that occasionally, no matter what size you are. Uh, you know, certain people in certain positions and all, well, any position in that space is important. Uh, but it's really not uncommon at all to see some of the clients that aren't as large uh, not even have adequate documentation. So suddenly you're missing a key person that's been there a very long time. And maybe key people around them, executives, may not know exactly what they did. And that's a real problem. Right, right. A very common problem, though. It is. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. So, you know, one of my last questions here, being you, you kind of teed it up for me there. When it is more of the senior level executives, right? When it's the folks who historically have been making the decisions and things like that. So, you know, we've talked a lot about those instances where, say, the person who completed the premium income tax returns um, retires or you know, we'll, we'll throw out a best case scenario. They win the lottery, right? You know, so, so job done, congratulations. What about when it is that chief audit executive or your chief risk officer or someone like that who is um, not the day-to-day -day, but is sort of the figurehead and the driving force behind these initiatives? I guess my first question is um, how difficult or less difficult is it to have have that role be 
filled in some way, however that shakes out? Or, um, you know, what is the typical time frame, if there is a typical time frame in reestablishing that strategic direction for those compliance activities? Well, you know, when, when you're missing a key executive, that, that's, that's a big deal, no matter how much you plan for it. I mean, that, that involves cult potential cultural changes. I mean, a lot of things, key decisions obviously made at that, that level. So, uh, you know, it can happen uh, at any time with any company. Some, something, an emergency happens, somebody's just no longer there for whatever reason or if they transition out. But <clears throat> I would say when you're looking at that space, look, look quickly to the people from the outside that know those processes, whether it be your auditors, your consultants, people who know what's going on, people that work around that position. Uh, it, it's urgent that you get someone in quickly to assess damages. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, knee-jerk decisions on who to pick. I don't think I would, I would advocate for that at all. But, but it's a really important thing that needs to happen very urgently. Um, and whether it be your CPAs, whomever you're working with, usually a good place to go and, and, and talk. You know, real-world example, uh, last year had a client, worked with the client for probably eight or ten years, they had one person who prepared their Schedule F and their Schedule P every year. That was their responsibility. Well, the person's daughter had a grandchild, and the person came in in November and said, hey, I'm, I'm out. I want to stay home and take care of this grandchild for my daughter. And the, uh, the guy calls and says, hey, Steve, he said, I just lost my Schedule F, Schedule P. I have nobody that has ever prepared either one of these. What do I do? And I said, well, uh, you're already looking to replace. He said, I am, but they have no experience. And, and what we ended up doing is for the last two years now, uh, last year and this year, we have worked alongside of the person who came in to kind of help them through. The first year we helped them through the Schedule F, the Schedule P, how to combine, how to build up all the schedules. This second year we'll just be reviewing. But the first year we spent a lot of time training, showing, walking through the process, and helping the new person kind of get up to speed. And this year, we'll just be reviewing, and then by next year, we should be out of the process. So that's a real-world real example. Not a very complex area or time-consuming. Well, it is kind of time-consuming. But uh, so over a three-year process, we were able to come in and should be phased out. For sure. We're seeing that as well be a more common uh, need and, and, and a demand from, my, from our clients. And, and Scott, you and I have actually recently talked with someone and, and that's looking for that. We have clients now that we're working with transition schedules on where we're doing a lot of training. Uh, you know, I think that's a great thing. We, we can come in and, and help transition and help train just what you're talking about, Steve. Or we've had people, clients that come in and say, look, we, we want you to take this for a while. We'll reassess in a couple of years what we want to do, whether we want to keep outsourcing it. And, and all that's on the table. Right, right. So ultimately, really what it comes down to is having that chat with, with your board or, you know, with your, with your key executives and things like that and just making sure whatever decisions you make align with the strategic ob objectives at the time, right? Couldn't have been said better. Well, thanks. <laughs> Um, and um, I think that's all we really had to talk about today. So uh, thanks to the two of you for your time. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, and thanks to all of you listening as well. If you want to keep a lookout for us uh, and other content that we're producing, you can look at our website. That's CRICPA.com. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the major social media networks. That's CRICPA. 
And uh, if you want to give us a like and subscribe, that would be terrific as well. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great one. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. 